Thursday morning, KMTT, welcome. This is Ezra Bick. Today we have another shir, another half hour of Torah, another shir in the series of Agadot Parishit. Uh, more or less every week we're, we're doing a pasuk, almost a yom, almost a day now. And in fact, we move on to the fourth day today and a new parsha, the parshiot in Medoshaba of Bereshit. Uh, I also more or less divided by days. Parsha Vav, parsha we begin today, parsha of the fourth day, which is the creation of the sun and the moon, of the luminaries, Me'orot. And we begin with the first Medrash of the Parsha, Parsha Vav, Medrash Aleph. Vayomer Elokim Yehi Me'orot. Rabbi Yohanan Patach. Asa Yareach Lamawadim. Pasuk and Tidim. We say it in Psukhet Simra. Asa Yareach Lamawadim. Omar Rabbi Yohanan. Lo Nivra Lehair Ela Galgal Hama Bilvad. For light. The only thing created for light, to, to, to give light, was the sun. If that is true, then why was the moon created? The Pasuk clearly states that God created the sun and the moon together. Answer, As this Pasuk that we began with, in Tidim says, God made the moon for the... For the times, it means for the festivals. Moadim refers to the holidays. But the word includes in its meaning. It actually means different times, important times. The moon was created for the calendar, in other words. So that we should be able, through its calculations, through the calculations of the moon, we should be able to determine or to initiate the new moons and years. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan says the sun, the purpose of the sun is to give light to the earth. The purpose of the moon is something entirely different. The purpose of the moon is to be able to have a calendar. The light of the moon is incidental. The main thing of the moon is that it should wax and wane. It should define what is a month and eventually define what is a year. The entire Jewish calendar is based on the moon. And this opinion is then repeated. I'm skipping a few lines. And is uh, the basic opinion is repeated with a different explanation. Rabbi Azariah, b'shem Rabbi China, Chanina Amar, lo nivral ha'yir edagagal chama bilvat. Same statement. The only thing that was created for light was the sun. Galgal chama bilvat. The sphere of the sun alone. Imken... So why was the moon created? Well, here's a different answer. God foresaw that in the future the idolaters, the nations of the world, would turn the celestial bodies into gods. Right? They would worship the sun and the moon and the stars. So God said, If in fact, even when there are two of them, and they, they detract one from the other, 
Makhishin Zetzel literally means they contradict each other or they weaken. They weaken each other. Each one weakens the other one. Nonetheless, the idolaters worship them, make them into gods. Ilu hayu ehad al ahad kamavakam. If there were only one, then this would surely be true. And the situation would be worse. And that is why God made the moon. In other words, Rabbi Yochanan, both Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Azariah say that the moon does not exist in order to give light. That wasn't the purpose of its creation. Rabbi Yochanan says the purpose was to give us the basis for a calendar. And the calendar is important specifically in, in, in I would imagine, the outlook of Chazal, but, but it's indicated by the word. Not so much the calendar as the festivals. In other words, the passage of time is important because different times have more significance. And in order to have what we call Kedushat Hazman, in order to have sanctity of time, certain times which are sanctified and distinguished from other times, and you need a calendar. You need different times, not, not a monotonous passage of time. And the sun, which can also be used for time because it defines the day, but it's monotonous. All the days are the same. The moon even though all it defines is a longer period of time, but nonetheless, by having months and different months, that is ultimately the basis for Mo'adim, for different times, holy times, less holy times, an important part of Jewish life, an important part of the life of Kedushah is Mo'adim, Luach, Rashi Chodashim B'Shanim. That's Rabbi Yochanan's opinion. Rabbi Zayi says the same starting point. The moon does not exist to give light. But why does it exist? An interesting answer. He says the moon doesn't exist for any reason whatsoever, but merely to weaken, and not obliterate, but to weaken the influence of the sun. There is a natural tendency, unfortunately. But God foresaw, Tzafa, He foresaw that there will be a tendency for human beings to worship the skies, to worship celestial beings which somehow they, they're, they're more able to attach to the sun, the moon, the stars, the things in the sky, the, the attributes of divinity. To worship something they can see, but yet is above them. And this tendency, God will weaken by not putting only one overwhelming, single, dominant celestial body, but at least two. And therefore, the, so to speak, the conflict phase, we will, in fact, come across again today, the phase appears in Chazal very often that somehow the sun and the moon are, are competitors. This competition, so to speak, would hopefully, but not successfully, weaken the tendency of people to view it, them, all of them, as gods, as false gods, as idols, as as pagan gods. It's a parenthetical remark. There's an interesting idea being expressed in Rabbi Azari's opinion here. Well, he's, he's, he's reflecting on an interesting historical point about anthropological point, about human nature. What, what is the logic that says that if there is only the sun but no moon, oh, that's a god. The sun and the moon, so neither one of them is gods. Obviously, the logic isn't perfect because in the end, the nations worship both the sun and the moon. 
But the idea here is expressed that Elohayu Ehad Alahad Kama Bakama. That the, the, so to speak, the logic or the psychologic, the psychological or the logical influence of having one thing, one thing in the sky, would be to make it more plausible or to attract more that that candidate should be the ultimate God. There is, we know as a fact, there is a deep-seated human tendency, perhaps a psychological oddity. That's what psychologists might claim. And, and perhaps a reflection of the truth. But there is a deep-seated human tendency to search for the single, one, ultimate answer. According to Aristotle, that's the basis for Greek philosophy. Greek philosophy began with the question, which to us may seem strange, what is the ultimate basis of physical existence? And the first rather strange answer to our ears was water. Meaning somehow you see a lot of things. There's a multiplicity in the world, but underlying it there should be one thing, and that will be the, the basis, the, 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 the principal explanation for existence. That's in philosophy. It is true that most nations of the world were, were polytheists. And yet, and yet, Chazal claim here that if it was easier to give a monotheistic answer within the framework of people who cannot conceive of a non-physical and, and an absolute God, but who need to pick something that they can see and call it God, that if the answer could have been one, it would have been much stronger. Because people somehow search for the one explanation, the ultimate, uh, rather strange proof of this natural tendency of human beings is in modern science. Modern science rejects philosophy. You're not supposed to philosophize about science, you're supposed to experiment. And surely there is no logical reason why you need one explanation for characteristics for phenomenon which are totally different. And yet the last 60, 70 years in modern physics has been characterized by a unending and as yet futile search for what's known as unified field theory. Right now modern physics has got down to its explanation of the world based on four forces and a great mind like Einstein just can't stand that. He has to find the one explanation which will put the four forces all together. He wasted 50 years of his life looking for it. And today they're still searching for it. What is the basis? Why does it have to exist? Why does it need to be one? So whether it's merely psychology, maybe, I don't know, something weird about the human being that he likes simple explanations rather than complicated ones. And perhaps, as some theists, some monotheists might claim, that the human mind in this sense is reflecting, in fact, the ultimate reality, which is one, which is what surely, you know, people steeped in Eastern religions would say. All Eastern religions are based on the fact that everything is one, and, and I think we might agree. Ultimately, everything is one. We say that, well, ain't no move at all, there's only God. But this is, in any event, forgetting about its theological importance. Psychologically, it's a truism. And that's what uh, this statement of Rabbi Azariah is based on. If there was one superior being, one thing up in the sky, the sky is where we look to find uh, inspiration. If there was only one dominant power in the sky, one king of the heavens, then everybody would have bowed down to it. 
So God, in His wisdom, interestingly enough, it doesn't actually work. The, the Medrash points out, God said, <laughs> I see it doesn't work, but it would have been worse if I hadn't done it. God, in order to weaken the status of the sun as an object of idolatry, creates two kings in the sky. And the dispute, the contention between them should have, could have, logically unthrown them both. So long as neither one is stronger than the other, then neither one is king, soul king, ultimate king. Okay, but to get back to our point, both of these opinions, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Azariah, are basically making a statement about the negative statement about the moon. The moon does not exist to give light. In other words, daytime has light, nighttime is darkness. Well, there is some light for the moon. They just think it doesn't count. It's not significant. It's a it's just there in order to prove the other point. You wouldn't be able to do time by the moon if you couldn't see it at all. But it's not basically light it doesn't lighten us. We live in darkness, even though the moon rules by night. And then the Medrash brings another opinion. Rabbi Berechia Bishem Rabbi Simon Amar Shnehem Nivru Leha'ir. Both the sun and the moon were created to give light. Shnehemar Vahayu Limorot Berechia Hashemayim. As the Pasuk explicitly says when they were created, God created the two great illuminaries and they should be to enlighten, to illuminate. Vahayu Limorot. God placed the moon in the sky in order to, it's explicit, in order to give light. continues, So Rabbi Baruch explains, he placed it to give light and then added as a second point, and they will also be as signs, as times, as days, and as years. So he explains, In fact, the sun also is part of our calendar, because Shabbat, which is based on the passage of days, and not months, Shabbat is determined by the sun, seven settings of the sun, you have Shabbat. So the sun is also a calendar, a time basis. Okay, so what do we have here? We have two opinions. A strange, uh, a strange controversy. What was God's purpose in creating the moon? It's a legitimate question, but we do have to determine what the significance of the question is for us. One opinion says that God created the moon to, uh, for extraneous, for other, other things. Nothing to do with the fact that the moon gives light. And one opinion says that the moon is the light of the night. I think it's clear that what we ultimately have here is a disagreement about the nature of night. Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Azariah believe that there is no light at night. 
Night is darkness. And we all understand, at least on an associative level, what that means. If light is darkness, then it's 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 the time out. It's a time of fear, it's a time of danger. It's a time where the light of God, where 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 the warmth of God does not exist. Illumination is, is everywhere. I mean, in, in, in the Medrashim, and in, in our own minds, and in every culture in the world, illumination is, is clarity, is understanding. Man wants to live in the light. And if God provides light for us, that's, that's, obvious, that's an obvious bracha. If it's dark, you can't do anything. When it's dark, you can't even move. Darkness on Egypt was a plague because they couldn't stand or sit. They couldn't even move in the darkness. The fear was so thick. Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Azariah say that the daytime, God gives us the light of knowledge, of ability, of clarity. And at nighttime, He doesn't. And therefore, nighttime is a black hole. Nighttime is a time when you don't have the hand of God guiding you. And therefore... I don't know why God did it. There's no explanation in this Midrash. But the fact is that God only helps you by day. And at night time, He's off. You're off. We're all off. Best thing is to go to sleep, perhaps. And of course we find in, in, in countless places in Chazal, the association of night with Galut, with exile. There's a night of the soul. There's a night of Jewish history in which we are still within perhaps the waning hours, perhaps the dusk, perhaps the dawn, can be glimpsed. But we're still in at least the ending of the long night of Jewish history from the time of the destruction of the temple. Night automatically in our imagination and in Chazal's imagination is is the time when when you're lost. You can't do much. It's almost like wasted time. Which is why we sleep at night. So at least we can gain strength for the really important times, for the times of activity, which will be when the light shines again and the sun rises in the morning. There is a there is a powerful powerful medrash later on. I, I know we're not going to get to it in the series, so I allow myself to to quote it now, by the creation of Shabbat. So there's a medrash which describes how on the first Shabbat there was light at night as well. Then the world wasn't worthy of that light. It was the original light of the first day and therefore God put it away. That also assumes that light is a good thing and darkness is a bad thing. But then the medrash continues as follows. It says, Rabbi Levi B'Shem Rabbi Zira. It's found for the ones who want to look it up. It's Parsha Yud Aleph Medrash Bet. The original light was for 36 straight hours. 12 hours on, on Friday. All the night of the first Shabbat. And 12 hours for Shabbat by day. When the sun set at the end of Shabbat, and of course the setting of the sun is a metaphor for Chazal, sometimes for death. When someone dies, it's called Shak'ah Shimshah. 
darkness, death, they all go together. Kevan shakach hamab motzei Shabbat, hitchil hachoshech mimashmesh uva. The darkness began to to creep in. V'nityarei adam harishon, and man, first man, Adam, was fearful. Darkness means darkness is fear. Shenemar ba'omar ach hoshech v'shufeni v'leila or ba'adeni. The Midrash interprets, I don't want to go into the details, the Midrash interprets the man, when he saw the night coming, he said, he who, about whom it says, who Yishuf Charosh, the serpent, the angel of death, according to Chazam, he's coming to get me under the cover of darkness. So God taught him how to make artificial light. And the creation of sparks, the creation of fire, was taught at that moment, the beginning of darkness, which is why we we make Borei Morei Ha'esh on Motzei Shabbat. Halacha Lamaisa. It's not just a medrash. This is a medrash which has been implanted into halacha. You make a bracha on fire, Motzei Shabbat. Because man in his fear appealed to God, I'm, I'm stuck in the darkness and death is coming. So God taught him how to make artificial light. Light is good and darkness is bad. It, it, it's, this is a medrash that says the first time it was dark, man was in terror. So Rabbi Azaliah and Rabbi Yochanan say, that's what night is. There's a moon that gives a little bit of light. It's irrelevant. That, that, that's not really light. By definition, day is good, Bright, cheerful, clear, providential, God's providence, that's daytime. Nighttime is you're alone in the dark, black darkness, the scent of death, feeling of gallus, galut. That's what nighttime that's what nighttime means. Of course, God can protect you at night. And that's what we appeal to. At the nighttime we say Emunat pointed out that the bracha of Yotzot there's a bracha before Kriyat Shema, by morning and by night that talks about Yotzot about God's creation of the world God's creation of the heavenly bodies so by daytime it says it's a good thing and by nighttime it says we know that it's dark but we know that you can still lighten us and therefore we hope you will somehow lighten us lighten our way through this darkness as we go through the veil of death just as God taught man to create artificial light pallid weak ability to enlighten his Dalid Amot, his immediate surroundings, an island of some small, weak light in a sea of darkness. So God will take care of us at night in his power. But the situation is that you're living surrounded by death and, and, and God is holding you up. By daytime, the situation, which God, of course, has created, is one of, of life and light. That is Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Azariah. Rabbi Biyachah says something really astonishing. He says, it's natural. There's a big difference between day and night. But it's not the difference of light and darkness. It's a difference of light and light. There's a strong light by day and there's a weak light by night. What does that mean? We'll have to think about it. But the night time is not a time of darkness, it's a time of light. There is a me'orot balayla. There is a luminary, there is a light which shines by night, which God has placed there to enlighten our way. Enlightens it differently. And I, I wish to think about what that means. That's in fact our purpose today. But but it's not good and bad. 
It's two forms of light. Shnehem nivru And the Medrash, Medrash Bet continues. It's always a question whether Medrash Bet is connected to Medrash Aleph. In this case, I think it is. Obviously, I do that whenever I, I have a point to make. But let us read Medrash Bet. In my opinion, it's a continuation of Rabbi Brechia. Tehidim ayin dalid. L'chayom af l'chalayla. The Pasuk says in Tehidim, the day is yours, even so the night. Even so the night. And the Midrash explains at length, The day praises you and the night praises you. Just as the day is, is in your hands, is in your domain, so too the night is your domain. When you do miracles for us by day, then the day is yours. And when you do miracles by night, then even the night is yours. Even the night is yours. If you do miracles by day, then we praise you, we sing to you, we say Hallel. By the day, if you do miracles for us by night, then we praise you, we say Hallel by night. Then it gives an example. There were miracles by day. Shirat Dvorah, the war was by day, and Dvorah sang by day. And there were miracles by night, the miracles of Mitzrayim. And the Jews were basically redeemed, saved. Makat Bechorot was all night. And there is Hashir Yelachim Kilel Hit Kadesh Chag. We say Halal at night on, on Pesach night. You, it is appropriate to say Halal to you by day and by night. Why? Here we see it's a continuation of the first Midrash. Why is, this, why is that true? Why do we sing praises to God at night? What a question. We're so used to having artificial light that we don't even think night exists anymore. But Chazal lived in the real world. Why does one say praise God at night? Is there God at night? I mean, what's the question? Obviously, the Havamina is that, yeah, no, you can't praise God by night because He's not around. He's absent. No. It's a pasuk that says not that way. Ata it quotes our Pasuk. It is rightful, proper, and appropriate to praise you by night for the miracles you do by night because it says you created two Ma'orot and you placed them in the sky. It's Mamash Rabbi Berech's opinion. God is present at night. He shines His presence on us at night. There is light at night. And anything that happens to us at night is because God is doing those miracles to us at night. And therefore we praise Him by night and we say Shira by night and we say Halel by night. Because the night is God's presence, like the day. The, this Midrash I just read now says it's all the same. This is true and this is true. The n- day belongs to you, the night belongs to you. Of course, Pasuk said, L'chayom af l'chalayla. It means the day is yours, obviously. But the night, even the night, is also 100% yours. It even means, there's, there's a point to get confused here. Someone might think, like Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Azariah, that the night time is a time of absence. It's a time of exile the time of hiding, of the divine light. But it's not true. Even the night, don't make a mistake, even the night is yours, even the night is in your domain, even the night has miracles, even the night therefore has shira, has song, has halal, has praise, has praise, has praise of God. Now if we stopped here, it makes sense, but it's meaningless. Because what, what do I care? I mean, we, we know theologically nobody, neither Rabbi Yochanan nor Rabbi Zariah, would in fact claim that at nighttime there is no God in the world. 
they also daven at night. They also say Shiva at night. They also say Kriyachma at night. But I think we have to understand that aside from, aside from the powerful, basically, metaphor of night, is the meaning of night. Very often, the nighttime, the 12 hours of the every day, is in fact also the, the real existence, the real meaning of its own metaphor. The nighttime is scary. The nighttime is dangerous. But basically, we're dealing with a metaphor. Life consists of cycles, times when God's countenance obviously shines in us, and times that we are in the, psychologically, the night of the soul, historically, the night of the Jewish people, the exile. Personally, times when you're lost. The waxing and the waning of the moon, the ebb and the flow of fortune, the ebb and the flow of the feeling, the, 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 the feeling which reflects reality of God helping us a lot, shining His light upon us, and times when it appears that He does not, that's part of life. And the question is, how do you view that? Rabbi Yochai and Rabbi Zayah say, forget the reason. Maybe it's a punishment. Maybe it's, maybe it's some other reason. But forget the reason, but it's a reality. God is not with you all the time. And at times you're left to your own and therefore you're lost and you're engulfed in darkness. As a special favor, God will give you a match, give you the ability to create a small fire so that you'll have dalid amot, for amot of a feeling that you're not totally abandoned, but the world is one big black hole. That's reality. Rabbi Becha says, that's not true. There are two different ways that God casts His light on us. One way is the powerful, clear light of day. Then you know exactly what to do. God tells you what to do. You follow the rules and, and everything is wonderful. And then there are times when God, yes, yes, God, God retreats. But, and, and it's much darker. But that's not, that's not darkness. It's another kind of light. There's still light. There's still guidance. But it's the guidance, apparently, that, that leaves more for us to discover. So, even in the darkness, I see there is light. The pale light of the moon is light. It, it, we, you're able to use it. You have to make a bigger effort. And there's a certain element, certain beauty, as we all know, a certain light, a certain clarity that comes from the weak, pallid light of the moon that is lost in the overwhelmingly strong, powerful light of the sun. And Midrash Gimel makes the very famous comparison in of Chazal between the moon and the Jewish people. This is something which we mention once a month in Birkat Halavana. We have a bracha when the moon returns, which you might have viewed as Billy, one of those brachot that you make on natural phenomena. But in the bracha, it says explicitly that we thank God, we praise God for returning the moon. We who, which is for us a special message, for 
us the Jewish people, who will also return like the moon. That we, the idea of Chidush, disappearing and coming back, the moon represents the Jewish people. The Midrash here in Gimel says the following. Here the Midrash has already noticed that the sun is great and the moon is small. There's Ma'or HaGadol and Ma'or HaKatan. Rabbi Levi B'Shem Yossi Barilai Yamar Derech Eretz Ushia Gadol Monel Gadol Bakatan Monel Katan. It makes sense. It's 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 natural that the the great the the older one the great one should count by the great one and the small one by the small one. Esav Monel Achama, the older brother Esav, Edom, which means for Chazal Rome, which means for us the Western world, counts its calendar by the sun. Shehi Gadola, the greater luminary. V'Yaakov, the younger brother Monel Alvana, Shehi Ktana. Nations of the world have a solar calendar. Well, the Western world has a solar calendar. And we have a lunar calendar. Amar Rabbi Nachman, siman tav, and that's a good siman. That's a sign of something basically good. Ma Esav monel hachama, shehigdola. Esav is the sun. His days are the sun. Ma hachama azot bayom, The sun, interesting thing, the sun is greater than the moon, but interesting enough, the sun rules only by day. At night there is no sun. Kach Esav, yesh lo chelek olam hazeh, lo chelek olam So to Esav, rules by day in this world, but has no portion in the next world. The next world is called night, because it's hidden, and this world is called day, because it's revealed. Yaakov, monel vanash, hiktana, Yaakov, his days, his calendar is a lunar calendar. Sholeted balayl ubayom. Intrinsically, the moon rules by day and night. There is a moon by day as well. We don't always see it, but the moon rules. It sits. It's in the sky at these the times, both at night and by day. Kach Yaakov yesh lo chelak olam hazeh uva olam haba. Rabbi Nachman Amal. Some Rabbi Nachman says another point. Kol man she'oroshal gadol kayam ein oroshal katan mitparsem. When the sun shines, when the great luminary shines, the light of the small luminary is not mitpasem. It isn't publicized. It isn't evident. It's there, but you don't see it. It's wiped out. It's buried. It's un- it can't be distinguished. Shaka oroshal gadol. When the light of the great luminary sinks, Sets beyond the horizon, that's when you, not that's not when the moon begins to shine, that's when you see the light of the moon. It's publicized, it's evident, the light of the small one. As long as the light of Esav, of Edom, of Rome, of the Western world, of the non Jewish world, whenever their light exists, you can't, you can't see, you don't. Notice the light of Yaakov. Shaka Oroshal Esav, but when their light will sink and set, mitpasem Oroshal Yaakov, then the light of Yaakov will be evident. Hadau Dichtev, as is written, Kumi Ori, Kiva Orech, the Shayao Navil says to Yushalayim, Arise, enlighten, for your light has come. And the Pasuk afterwards, Kineha Hoshech Yechasa Eret, for the darkness covers the earth. So, what does this Medrash say? Darkness is a necessary condition to see the light. Daytime light, we lose, we lose fine distinctions. Sometimes overwhelming light is too overwhelming. Great light isn't good. It's not the only good. 
But when the darkness covers the earth, you don't have darkness. When the darkness covers the earth, kumi ori kiva orech. When the darkness covers the earth, that's the time for Yerushalayim, for the light of Yaakov, for the light of, for a different kind of light to, to appear. Because it can only be evident when you lose the, the wash-out light of the sun. The sun washes out fine distinctions. In the light of the moon, we see sometimes the finer, the more beautiful, the special things can only appear in the light of the night. And so, Rabbi Berechia has said, don't be dejected. Don't be depressed by the darkness. Belayla or ba'adi. At night too, not only is the light, belayla or ba'adi. The nighttime is a kind of light. If you've gotten used to the light of the sun, you can think, ah, till your pupils adjust. There is no light at night. But then you see there's the light of the moon. It's true, the light of the moon, the Medrash doesn't point this out explicitly, but the light of the moon isn't even the same every night. It comes and it goes. There are some nights where there is no light of the moon. And there is a full moon, and there is the in-between moon. The sun's the same every day. Nighttime, you have distinctions. The light changes. In the changes of the light, we see things differently. But as opposed to Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Azali, who are basically, how should I put it, they're basically depressed by the nighttime and wait to get past it so that the sun will rise once again and they will see as, as Adam Rishon, a Medrash that I didn't quote, when the, when the sun arose Sunday morning, after him thinking that maybe, maybe he had left, the first time he'd seen the sunset, he said, oh, this, it's gone, that's it, life is over. When the sun rose again, he was very, very happy and he, and he, and he gave a special bracha. That's what Yochanan and Rabbi <laughs> We got through this night. Thank God, God has come back. Rabbi Yecha says, You have to appreciate the day for what it teaches you, what it gives you. And you have to appreciate the night for the light that exists in those periods that you think are your dark periods. The periods when God is not showing you exactly what you have to do. But that's a time for you, Dafka for Yaakov, to take the little light that's left, the fine, softer light of the night, and on your own, find things that you didn't know about during the day. So even though it might be unpleasant, Galut is surely very unpleasant, and it's a bad thing, we want it to go away. And there's the depression of the soul, and the time that I feel like God is not holding me by the hand and showing me exactly what to do, but He's still showing me what to do. There is a fine light, you're not left to your own, being left to your own is God's way of showing you. And there is hadracha, there is teaching, there is hand-holding, there is shining of light at that time also. And there are things we can find then that we couldn't find in the bright light of the day. And that's it for today. And I think we've at least scratched the meaning of this very complex list of associations that Chazal have, light and dark, day and night. Yaakov Isav. We've scratched away the surface and I hope everyone has uh, has enjoyed and understood and I think there's more to say. And you can continue on your own and we'll be back next week and you've been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast from Yeshivat HaRetzion, Kol Tov.